the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my friends, today is a celebration. It's a celebration with many names. We celebrate the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is an ancient Jewish rite for new mothers. It comes from Leviticus 12, which says that the mother goes to the tent of meeting or the temple in Mary's time, with, uh, and you bring the priest a lamb and a pigeon or a dove for an offering. You'll notice that the law also makes provision for those who can't afford a lamb. They can bring just two pigeons or two turtle doves. And that's what Mary and her poor family brought. We keep that feast today. We also keep uh, what's the old feast of the 40th day. Now it's called the presentation of Jesus in the temple. It's another ancient rite. Uh, in Exodus, God told Moses that every firstborn male, whether... Uh, Man or beast belonged to the Lord, rightly belonged to the Lord, because in the Exodus, God had brought his children out of Egypt, and the firstborn of Egypt's sons all died while Israel's were spared. So parents would present their, their children, their boys, in the temple when they were 40 days old. And so if you count it up, uh, the actual feast, which was last Wednesday, the 2nd of February, is 40 days after Christmas. Another name is Candlemas. It's the day that we do as we did this morning. We bless all the candles that will be used uh, at St. Bees this year. It's a reminder of the words that old Simeon spoke when he held Jesus, knowing that he was the Messiah, the light that would enlighten the world. And it's that last little bit. That's what I want to focus on today. Because a last name for the day is Hupaponte. It's Greek for the meeting. In the Eastern Church, it's called Hupaponte tu Kyriou, the meeting of our Lord with, Simon, uh, with Simeon and Anna the prophet. So just for the next few minutes, I want to think about not one, but three meetings. Meeting number one, Simeon and Anna met Jesus. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. It had been revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon came in the temple. When the parents brought in Jesus, Simeon took him in his arms. So Simeon, like Anna, his twinned character from Luke's gospel. Simeon is a prophet. He's old, he's deeply, devoutly religious, and he is waiting. He's been waiting for a long time. Luke says Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel because God told him he would see this consolation, whatever it was, with his own eyes before he died. So if you look on the internet and you, you do research, there is a surprising amount of information out there about consolation in the ancient world. There was a, um, there's a duty in antiquity to console those who are afflicted, especially those who are about to die. But different groups offer different types of consolation. So there was one group called the Epicureans. And the consolation that they offered was to assure you that death 
was just the inevitable end of everything. It was a cessation of feeling, they said. But there were others that uh, believed in the immortality of the good soul. So their consolation was this hope that if you lived a good enough life, it's like a balance sheet, if you lived a good enough life, then maybe you'd be virtuous enough to immortalize yourself and to cheat death. But there was a problem. Listen to this. For all the consoling descriptions, there is at bottom a profound lack of hope or comfort in the world of antiquity. The dead are blessed whether there's ascribed to them a new life or an eternal sleep or total annihilation. But in fact, most of the usual reasons for comfort sound cold and comfortless. Time and again, the saying of the Greek poet Theogenes is repeated, best of all for mortals is never to have been born, and for those who've been born to die as soon as possible. Simeon was waiting, but not for that. Simeon's ears rang with the words of Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, sing to Jerusalem and, and cry to her that she served her penalty, her term and her penalty is paid, and the consolation that Simeon was waiting for and that he held in his arms was this messianic hope, the dream that someday, one day a king would come to restore Israel, to remove her guilt and take all her tears away. And with Jesus in his arms, Simeon found consolation. Not the, in, the inevitability of annihilation, not the reward of a lifetime of virtue. The consolation Jesus brings is Jesus. He lives the life we should have lived, dies the death that we should have died. And when we meet him, he gives us himself. That's why Simeon could depart, why he could die in peace. And that's meeting number one. Meeting number two is when God met us. Believe it or not, I remember exactly where I was at 7.30 p.m. on January the 18th, 1974. I looked it up this week. It was a Friday night. I was in my childhood uh, living room in front of the television... And I remember, because that was the night right after the Brady Bunch and before the Odd Couple, that the $6 million man came on for the first time. Lee Majors played uh, Steve Austin. He was a former astronaut that had become the world's first cyborg. After a plane crash, uh, doctors gave him this bionic eye and like mechanical limbs, and that cost $6 million, so thus the name. And every, uh, for five seasons, every episode began, began with the same words. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. We can make him better than he was. Better, stronger, faster. I was seven years old. I was slow. I wanted to be better and stronger and faster, so I ate it up. But if you fast forward to today, that rather fantastic premise is not entirely fantastic anymore. Uh, David Pierce is a guy who co-founded um, something called Humanity Plus. 
And he's a leading proponent of something called transhumanism, which is a, a philosophical and scientific movement that wants to make being human better. So they, use, they um, promote uh, biotech and pharmacology, computer augmentation, nanorobotics. And transhumanists believe that we can be superhuman. So here's how Pierce uh, explains his project. He says, if we want to live in paradise, we will have to engineer it ourselves. If we want eternal life, then we will need to rewrite our bug-ridden genetic code and become godlike. Only high-tech solutions can ever eradicate suffering from the world. Compassion alone is not enough. And while I applaud the sentiment of a world without, without suffering, that is not the Christian hope. Because in the child that Simeon held, God was meeting us. His divinity was meeting our humanity, and he was pulling our humanity into himself, never to be separated again. And that is our hope. It's not nanotechnology, it's not transhumanism, but the promise that one day we will be like him. Philippians 3 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. One day we will be better, stronger, maybe faster, because one day we will be like Jesus, because His humanity, His divinity met our humanity. One last point. Simeon met Jesus, God's divinity met our humanity, and then lastly, I got to meet you. Today is, um, as you know, my last day as your rector, and you let me in your lives for a while, and I loved every minute. I told my confessor last week uh, how hard it's been to say goodbye to people, to all of you, uh, and his name is Father Mark. Father Mark reminded me of something I needed to hear uh, he said, we are a pilgrim people following a pilgrim God. Psalm 84 that we read today is a pilgrim psalm. Mary and Joseph might have sung it, walking with their child to the temple in Jerusalem. We're all on the way, traveling somewhere to someone, and we all need traveling mercies. It's the title of a book I love by Anne Lamott, Traveling Mercies. And the thought that I would leave you with is not my thought, but her thought. And Anne says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave, it, leave us where it found us. That is the third meeting. Grace meets us here. Grace met me here in my relationships with you. And sometimes grace calls us to leave. At the end of every Mass, we are called to go outside of this room. It's like in the liturgy we can finally see that the child Simeon held is not a child. He's our great high priest that gathers us up 
brings us to this altar to share the meal of his body and his blood, and then says, go away. Go be witnesses to what you've seen, what you've tasted. And Renee and the kids and I go as witnesses to what we've seen and tasted here with you. We ask you, we count on you to pray for us, even as we pray for you. May God give us all traveling mercies, all of us following the same Jesus, and may that be our consolation. Consider that an invitation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.